Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. And you should recognize me. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Players to be Named Later podcast. I'm Ed, that's Dan. Say hi, Dan. What's up, Ed? How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's been a rough week for both of us, Danny Boy. Mine, for personal reasons, we will not discuss on this show. Yours, for reasons that we absolutely are going to discuss on this show. I'm going to take it easy on you, because I had a lot, lot, lot of material to talk about. Immaturity, you know, players not playing up to par and what they should have been. Perhaps some overhyped guys. Perhaps some guys that didn't necessarily deserve to be where they're at. Maybe some guys that are disappointing perennially in the postseason. But enough about Lamar Jackson. Um, But we're not going to get into any of that. But we are going to have to discuss this game. Now, just to give you guys a preview about what this show is going to be. This is not our Super Bowl preview show. That comes next week. This week is simply our AFC recap show. NFC recap show, our championship round recap show. And we're going to sprinkle in a few other sports as we slowly start to transition into our offseason of football. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, Dan, would you like to get this out and over with? Yeah, go ahead. You can talk about the stats, the game. All right, well, let's start this week where the NFL started their week, and that was in Baltimore, Maryland. What do you call that city? The Emerald City? Is that what it's called? No. no. The asshole of Washington, D.C. or something? I don't know. The city that reads. Hmm. Yes, the city that reads so good, Edgar Allan Poe had to have a word limit on his poetry to make sure his book sold. Yes, the same city. Anyway, speaking... (laughs) The namesake of Mr. Poe, the Baltimore Ravens fell at home to the Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift, 17 to 10. I'm not going to lie with you, Danny boy. The Ravens shouldn't have lost this football game. They shouldn't have. They absolutely should not have. It came down to costly turnovers, two big ones in the red zone, three missed pass interference calls, and a shirtless Jason Kelsey. Uh, his brother, Travis, opened up the scoring with a 19-yard pass from Patty Mahomes to, oh, to make it 7 nothing Kansas City. Zay Flowers on a beautiful 30-yard bomb from Lamar Jackson that tied the score. Isaiah Pacheco with a two-yard rush gave the Chiefs a 14-7 lead just, le- just a little bit less than five minutes gone in the second quarter. With four seconds left, Harrison Butker made it 17-7 with a 52-yard field goal. Justin Tucker with 234 left in the game, made it an interesting finish with a 43-yard field goal of his own, but that would be the end of the scoring. Just from that alone, Dan, give me some takeaways. 
Yeah, that, ladies and gentlemen, Dan is so upset that his microphone was muted. The fumble from Zay Flowers was uh, not a bad fumble, honestly. It was a good defensive play. Um, I've watched that replay about a hundred times, and he has two hands on the ball. He's diving for the end, for the end zone. Uh, the bigger mistake on that drive was the taunting penalty that he got. Um, Ed, what are your thoughts on that taunting penalty? And then I'll tell it, you mine. It is unfortunate that the ball hit the Kansas City defender. If that ball does not touch the Kansas City defender, that is not a taunting penalty. I think that if he doesn't flip the ball down at him, it's not a taunting penalty. I don't even think he flipped the ball down on top and of him fl- on purpose. Like, I think he just flipped the ball and it just, gravity just happened to screw them over. Like, it just happened um, to land where it did. It is it is quite interesting that we did get hit with the taunting penalty and the, and the, um, so that led to the field goal uh, in the second quarter. The, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct especially with the way travis kelsey was acting the whole game it's never the first guy uh it's always the second guy and in every uh, sport it is that way by the way no and i know that it's just it's one of those things i mean there also was a there was also a play i'm not sure if you saw it where 65 on kansas city just well after the whistle you can go back and watch this replay is just slamming brett urban's head into the ground and there's a ref standing right over him with like no flag, nothing. Um, it's just, it, it's like, I don't want to say that, I, I don't want to say that the game's fixed, right? We did not play good. Um, but there was a stat that came out about this refereeing crew and how home teams get penalized more than away teams and it was uh-huh. odd and stuff like that. I mean, it's just one of those things, like it's very weird. You You mentioned the three pass interferences, um, Lamar threw a terrible interception in the end zone, which that was, was the, should have been one of the penalties because 100, 100 percent. He should have never threw that ball, to be honest. Well, no, it, it was a bad ball. And even if he was trying to hit likely in triple coverage, you don't you got to throw that high in a way you can't throw that low and inside. And that's where you put it. Uh, agreed, agreed. You'll see a lot of people on Twitter that are going to say, well, it's not pass interference because it's an uncatchable football. And, yeah, you're basically correct. But even but if it not. isn't. Well, no, I mean, even if it isn't a classic pass interference call, still illegal contact, it's still defensive holding, it's still The receiver has a right process. to also try to come back to that ball, which right. I feel like is about what you were, which is what you were going to say before I cut you off, so I apologize. 100%, yeah, it's it's terrible. It really is. And, you know, to, to further emphasize this point, Kansas City was flogged three times for 30 yards on accepted penalties. Baltimore, eight times for 95 yards. Now, granted, a lot of those times were penalties that absolutely had to be called. You know, the taunting yeah. penalty, it had to be called. The the club to Mahomes' face, you have to call that. Like, oh, well, so I was. I, I, was. I, I messaged you about that, and then I saw the replay, and I was like, okay. Because when they – what did they – they called unnecessary roughness, right? But yeah, when they, yeah, when they called the yeah. when they called the unnecessary roughness before I saw the replay, I was like, "There's no way everyone was blocked." And then I saw the replay and I saw that it was a smack to the face, which yes, with okay, that's hand, fine. With a clubbed hand smacked to the face, like which okay, that's fine. But I mean, there was I don't even want to dwell on the penalties. I guess more so just 
Kansas City came in. Their defense has played great this whole postseason. Their defense won this this game. Um, the Ravens' defense gave up a total of what twenty points through the two playoff games. Um, you you can't have a defense give up only seventeen points and all that in the first half and expect to win. Um, right. Just being completely honest, the oh. offense didn't show up. The strip sack from Lamar. Stanley gets beat. Lamar's Lamar's winding up actually to hit a wide open Bateman for a touchdown. That's 100% a touchdown. Oh, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, it it was just one of those things. That was another good defensive play beating Stanley who, who I will defend because the game before that Stanley had a 100% passer passer block rating. He did not give up any sacks, any pressures, any QB hits, nothing. He played perfect. And he, I believe it was Chris Jones that actually, Got the force fumble. I'm not a hundred percent. No, Charles. Sure Charles Omenahu. But um, it, um, yeah. The, yes, the, it was. It, yeah. it was Omenahu. But, but I mean, either you, way, it was you still know, a you good gotta, play. You got to credit the Ravens' defense there because on the it's, they gave. I mean, Kansas City had the football in the Baltimore 33, and Baltimore stopped them on a fourth and one. If you're Kansas City, I don't understand why you're not putting three points on the board, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But that turnover led to no points. Credit the defense there for for um, for for Baltimore. But it's the other two. And then, you know, it didn't seem like Baltimore was ever truly out of this game. You know, even as if it was 17 to 7 inside of two and a half minutes left, Baltimore gets a three and out, you know, after – they get stopped at the Kansas City 47-yard line when Mark Andrews, you know, gets hit, uh, you know, gets it to the to the 41, and then Lamar gets sacked. They force a three and out. The defense for Baltimore did what they were supposed to have done. This falls squarely on the shoulders of the offense. It absolutely does. I don't, I, I don't disagree with I don't disagree with anything you're saying right now. I truly don't. Um, the offense didn't show up. I mean, the turnovers were what they were. Uh, this was just a game where they couldn't get going. I, I do think the the bigger thing that we have to talk about here is the fact that there was a total of eight designed rushing plays by Baltimore. Any that good? Like, that's especially not good when you have Gus Edwards rip off a fifth. His first rush of the game was a 15 yard rush and you barely go back to the rush, the run. He got two I more, mean, ru- he got two more runs and, th- and one other touch after that. So he had a grand total of three touches outside of that 15 yard run. And that one touch was a, was a 16 yard catch. I mean, the other thing that the other thing that Kansas city did that not a lot of teams did against the Ravens is they possessed the ball 37 minutes and 30 seconds to Baltimore's 22:30. That's not a winning formula. Your offense isn't going to get in sync. And also that gives even more credit to the defense to be able to play the way they did. Um, I, I guess, I guess the one gripe on the, the defense is they did play that Ben don't break S defense um, where they had them in a lot of third and long situations. And then Mahomes would find a way to get the first down and now they're on the field for another three plays, and that's another minute and a half off the clock. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the defense. The defense was the only highlight for the Ravens when it came to that, mm. when it came to the game. I wouldn't go that far, but all right. You don't think the defense was the best part of the Ravens game on Sunday? I didn't say 
they weren't the best part, but they weren't the only highlight. I said they were the only highlight for the Ravens. Yeah. Zay Flowers outside of two stupid plays. One and a half stupid plays, really. Like, because that fumble, I mean, you get what you can get. I get you're in a big game and you're trying to reach out and you're trying to score. But that's a rookie mistake. I don't think a veteran receiver makes that play. Uh, I do, because I see a bunch of them make it all season long. I think that's just a, I think that was just a great defensive play by Ladarius Need to punch that ball out. Who had himself a good game? I mean, and there's. I mean that's that's my thing. Like I don't like I don't think Snead's getting enough. Like Zay's getting beat up for that, and I don't think Snead's getting enough credit for the fact that he punched that ball out the way he did. Look, this game is going to be known for the stars. They either participated or they didn't. With Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and. And and Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers, but Kyle Hamilton and and the guy you were just talking about, Sneed, those two guys were the two best players in the football field. And I don't think that can necessarily be argued too much. Those two had themselves a whale of a game and they 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 were good. They were the best two players in the field, but they're they're not gonna get the credit for it. I mean you're not gonna hear an argument out of me, I think. I mean the, I mean, big story for the Ravens coming out of this is we've lost, we lost our defensive coordinator. He's now the head coach. Mike McDonald is now the head coach of the Seattle uh, Seattle Seahawks, and it looks like we're going to lose our DB coach too to be the defensive coordinator of Tennessee. And he was actually a DC. Uh, there was rumors that he was, if McDonald left, he was going to be the DC of our team. So I kind of wonder what happened there. If this loss is maybe called a, caused a fracture some way. Now, if only there was a defensive-minded head coach out there who doesn't have a job, who needs a one-year placeholder to run a generational defense that already has ties to the organization, albeit in a different city. There's zero chance Belichick goes there, but, man, I wouldn't mind seeing Mike Vrabel come. I'm just saying, could you imagine... Could, all right, let me paint you a picture. Bill Belichick is hired as a defensive coordinator somewhere, anywhere. Any one of the 32 teams, Bill Belichick decides he wants to coordinate for a year. That team gets off to an 0-3 start. The media goes apeshit to swap out the head coach, Belichick. Oh, that 100% would happen. I, do you think Belichick has it in him to to take that step back, though? I don't think Belichick has it in him to not be a part of football for a year. What if he goes to Coach Michigan? Man, that would be a crazy uh, turn of events, huh? They would never have to spend a dime in NIL money if they named Bill Belichick the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. Because no college player in their right mind would say no to working with Bill Belichick or learning under him, even if it's only for a year, even if it's for two years. That's it. That would be insane. Anyway, let's put this baby to bed. The Ravens are done. Kansas City moves on. Let's move on. You're not happy? Eh, I'm not happy that it hurt you as much as it did. 
I didn't want to see Kansas City win. I'm still bitter about, you know, Dirty Dan Sorensen and, and that helmet-to-helmet that knocked the Browns out of the playoffs when, yeah, but that's neither here nor there. And, and we get, you know, it's whatever. Kansas City, it's whatever. I'm tired of seeing Kansas City and not because of Taylor Swift. I'm just tired of seeing the Chiefs, period. They have become the Yankees almost. Well, no, because the you know, Patriots are the Yankees. You know what's you know what's crazy is is I don't think I hated the They're the I don't Dodgers. Think I, I don't think I hated the Patriots as much as I hate the Chiefs. No, because with the Patriots you knew you were looking at the greatest of what they did at at least three different positions. And sometimes four or more, you know, because Belichick is the greatest head coach of all time. Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. When they had Gronk, he's the greatest tight end of all time. Or at least the most dominant. Let alone when you had guys, when Randy Moss was there for, what, 2017? Or 2007 when they set all the records or whatever. He's, outside of the domination that Jerry Rice had, he's the greatest wide receiver we have ever seen. You and I have live. I didn't – you don't hate greatness for being great. You hate greatness for being arrogant, and that's what the Chiefs and their fan base has become. Chiefs kingdom can suck it. And I'm saying that coming from an area where they are the closest football team in proximity. Ish. I'm not sure if Chicago may be closer. Maybe Tennessee is closer now that the Rams are gone. But, yeah, anyway, beside the point, let's move on. Let's talk about another disappointing team. The Detroit Lions, they fell at Levi Stadium 34-31. The San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. That was called then the Giants. It's almost baseball season, ladies and gentlemen. Getting in that mode. Yeah, thank God indeed. The Lions jumped out to a 14-0 lead thanks to a Jameson Williams 42-yard rush and a David Montgomery from three feet out in the first quarter. Christian McCaffrey answered with a two-yard rush of his own. Jameer Gibbs put... Seven more points on the board with a 15-yard rush as the Lions had it working on the ground. Michael Bagley made it a 24-7 game at halftime with a 21-yard field goal. I don't know if I would have gone for it there or not. That's a thing we're going to talk about here in a second. Then the Niners poured it on and scored a lot. Jake Moody from 43 yards, followed by a Brandon Ayuk six-yard pass from Brock Purdy. CMC got his second rushing touchdown at 3.02 of the third quarter. Jake Moody again from 33 yards out. Then Elijah Mitchell made it 34-24. As San Francisco ran off 27 unanswered points thanks to the Jake Moody extra point. Jameis Williams cut a three-yard pass from Jared Goff with 56 seconds left to give Detroit hope. But hope does not win you football games. I know that. I'm a Browns fan. If you look at the stats from this one, Dan, Detroit outgained them, they outrushed them, they outpassed them, they they each had a turnover. Detroit they made them. Detroit made fewer mistakes. They were both fifty percent, six for twelve on third down. Detroit was one for three on fourth down. San Francisco had a higher time of possession, but that comes in garbage time when you're just running the football. I mean, this was the game of the playoffs, can we say that? Or at least the comeback of the playoffs if you're a San Francisco fan. Um, congratulations, Matt Stafford. Your legacy is safe in Detroit because Jared Goff lost. 
Golf was 25 for 41, 273, a TD, sacked twice. Uh, David Montgomery, 15 for 93 and a score. Jameer Gibbs, or, yeah, Jameer Gibbs, 12 for 45 and a score. And Jamison Williams had a 42-yard rush. He also had two catches for 25 yards and a touchdown through the air. Amon Ross St. Brown, 7 for 87. Sam Laporta, 9 for 97. You look at this on paper, Detroit should have won this football game. Dan's agreeing with me, I can assure you guys. I promise you he is. But Brock Purdy, 20 for 31, 267, a TD, and an interception that almost cost San Francisco the football game. He added five carries for 48 yards on the ground. Christian McCaffrey, 20 for 90 with two touchdowns. He also had four catches for 42 yards through the air. He was pretty good. Debo had 89 yards through the air and seven on the ground. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, eight targets, three catches, 68 yards, but one of those catches was a touchdown. Dan, are you able to talk now? Uh, yeah, so I do agree with you that Detroit should have won this game. Um, Dan Campbell, in my opinion, lost this game by going forward on fourth twice. I get that that's kind of his moniker, but when you're in the NFC Championship game, you're up. You're up what? By three, four scores almost going into halftime, and you lose this game. Like you put them six points on the board, and then San Francisco scrambling to try to get a field goal at the end of the game to tie it to send it to OT. Like I get it, San Francisco played great in the second half, and they played great at the end of the second quarter. But you can't allow this to happen, and that's terrible coaching. And realistically, if this wasn't if this Detroit team, if this was like their second or third year in a row in the playoffs, I think there would be a lot of Detroit fans calling for Dan Campbell to be fired after the way that he coached the end of that game. Uh, one of the times he went on fourth down, fourth and two from the San Francisco 28-yard line, they passed, and Jared Goff missed Josh Reynolds. Um, it's also worth pointing out that San Francisco did miss a field goal early in this game, which you know, would have affected the outcome. Also, Jameer Gibbs' fumble was at the Detroit 25-yard line. It was right after the Ayuk touchdown to make it 24-17. to Gibbs fumbles three plays later. McCaffrey's in the end zone to tie the football game. Yes, I do remember that. But when you look at the score of this game, that fumble, is, I completely forgot about that fumble because of the way the coaching went down the stretch. Another time he went for... Uh, on fourth down. Fourth and three from the San Francisco 30. Now, mind you, the weather was not ideal in this one. But fourth and three, and you're passing again, and you're going deep for Amon Ra. Like, I get he's the best wide receiver you have. He's your biggest deep threat. But fourth and three from the 30, why are you throwing it to the end zone? Why are you not setting up a screen for David Montgomery? There's a Why lot aren't of you giving questions. the ball to David Montgomery? Like, There's a lot of good questions that aren't answered. It, and that's the thing that kind of bugs me about the NFL nowadays is everybody loves the pass. And rightfully so. The pass will get you points. But it's a time-honored test that you run the football, you win football games. Ask the Pittsburgh Steelers. Six of their Super Bowls, they didn't do it through the air. They did it on the backs of Jerome Bettis and Franco Harris. 
That's how they won Super Bowls. Do you think the Cowboys could have won Super Bowls without Emmitt Smith? Fuck no. Troy Aikman wasn't the reason that the Cowboys won Super Bowls. Emmitt Smith was the reason the Cowboys won Super Bowls. Running the football will win you a football game. Passing the football puts points to the board. Running the football wins the football game. And I hate, and the Ravens were just as guilty, if not more guilty of this too. Teams get away from the run and they don't understand it. Dan, you have to work the mic button you're, better. You're, you're, preaching, you're preaching in the choir here, but I don't understand it either. I don't understand how these... <laughs> Man, I don't even know where to go because I told you what I wanted to happen after this, after the Ravens game. I wanted the Lions to win because this was the matchup. This was going to be the most watched Super Bowl uh, probably in recent era. I don't even think that'll be a question. Um, but this is going to be the least watched Super Bowl, I feel like, by football fans. I feel like there are football fans that could give a shit less about this game. But it's going to be the most watched game because of the influx of – Taylor Swift fans. I think that's unfair. I, I really do. I mean, I think that's unfair. I... You actually think that's unfair? Yeah. Look. I'm going to need you to defend this because I can go pull the way you worded it. Show. The way you worded it was unfair. Okay. Because it sounds like you're putting a lot of blame on Taylor Swift here, and it doesn't need to be. We should have no problem. What do you What do you mean by putting blame on Taylor Swift? It just seems like you're annoyed with it all, and it bothers me. No, that doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Like she's on. She's on. She's on there whenever Travis Kelty does something. That doesn't bother me at all. I guess what bothers. I guess what bothers me about it is right. Like. Why is why do the NFLs and the announcers make such a big deal out of it? Because she is the biggest star in music. Right, because they want to drive ratings. Because it's smart. Like that's I, what's annoying about it. Like what's annoying about it is like the the comments that Tony Romo made the whole game about Taylor Swift. Who cares? Comment commentate on the fucking game. Dude, if you're worried about what's coming out of Tony Romo's mouth, they've uh, already yeah, lost you. I start, I, I they have already lost you. They have already lost you. Tony Romo is a great commentator. I love listening to the guy. If I'm starting a football team, Tony Romo's my fucking defensive coordinator because he knows what's going to happen before it happens. I actually am over Tony Romo as a commentator. He has gotten terrible over the last two years. Would you rather listen to Chris Collinsworth? At this point, yes. Troy Aikman? Yep. Give me the Monday Night Crew. I, I think you're you're, I think you're sadly, I think you're just sad. Anyway, we're gonna talk about something that happens the day before the Super Bowl, as we will not talk about the Super Bowl game on this show, and that is the NFL honors. We're gonna break down. Dan, you can look up the the betting stuff if you want. I don't care. But we're gonna handicap, and I'm gonna tell you who's gonna win, and Dan's gonna tell me if I'm right or wrong. Who's gonna win each award? On the NFL honors, we're going to start at the top of the list. AP most valuable player, Dan, it's Lamar Jackson, yes or no? Uh, I believe it's Lamar Jackson. I believe it should be Lamar Jackson. 
I will. I don't actually don't even think that the awards are up anymore. To be completely honest. AP Defensive Player of the Year will go to Miles Garrett. Yes or no? No. Who? TJ? I think so. Michael Parsons, the odds-on favorite for most of the year. I think he go. I think it goes to TJ. I think a lot of the media have already made it known because this is an AP award. It's going to be Miles Garrett. The, the, I think it deserves to be Miles Garrett. The advanced metrics say it's Miles Garrett. But that's neither here nor there. AP Offensive Player of the Year. This one is a little tricky. I'm going to go CMC. You're going to tell me it's not. Why? I think it's CMC as well. I think it would have been Tyreek. Yeah, I think it would have been Tyreek if he didn't get hurt. No love for Dak or CD or or even Lamar? No. No. Fair enough. No, the MVP is the quarterback award. The Offensive Player of the Year is the Every Other Position Award. Uh, AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, hands down, at C.J. Stroud. However, if any other year, if C.J. Stroud is not in this list, the other finalists were Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Puka Nakua, and B. John Robinson. It Laporta, has to go to Puka. I would have given it to Laporta over Puka. If it's me. Puka holds every single rookie receiving record. And Laporte is the reason the Detroit Lions are where they finished where they finished. You can take Jameer Gibbs off the Detroit Lions. The Lions may lose a few more games, but they're still in the playoffs. You take Sam Laporta off the Detroit Lions, the Lions aren't a winning football team. Oh, I disagree with that. No, no, he is that important to that offense. They Defense, were a winning football team last year without him. And he made And the division was weaker this year. Mm, and they still would have had Jameer Gibbs. Mm, I, don't, I disagree. So uh, defense, not a winning football team is a stretch. Defensive rookie of the year is hazy at best. Will Anderson, the defensive end of Houston. Jalen Carter, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive tackle. Joey Porter Jr., the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Kobe Turner, the Rams defensive tackle. And Devon Weatherspoon, the Seahawks quarterback. I want to say this goes to Joey Porter. Uh, I think he is. No, it's either Will Will Anderson to me or Jalen Carter. And uh, I think it goes to Jalen Carter. Interesting. Comeback player of the year. Now, this is what we've had a little fun with over the course of the year. DeMar Hamlin wins this trophy because nobody's ever come back from literal death to play back on the football field, despite the fact he had, what, three tackles in total this year and one pass defended? Um, Joe Flacco deserves a lot of credit. Baker Mayfield deserves a lot of credit. Matthew Stafford, I'm not sure why he's nominated for this. And Tua coming back from being knocked into the middle uh, of this season deserves some credit. Well, well Tua, Tua with the concussion, Stafford with the back injury. They didn't even know if Stafford mm. was going to be able to play this year. Yeah, all right. Retiring. Uh, but I think it's Hamlin, and I don't think it should be. If if Demar Hamlin's not in this – not not – not nominated, all right? DeMar Hamlin doesn't die. Who gets it? Who gets it? Flacco? I think it has to be Flacco. It, it has to, right? The way he left the, the Jets and, and how he looked like he was just straight washed. And doing what he did with Cleveland, it has to be Flacco. 
Uh, AP Coach of the Year is interesting. Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski. How Matt LaFleur is not on this list is a little perplexing to me. I would have maybe put LaFleur over Kyle Shanahan because Shanahan has the horses to pull the the wagon and LaFleur doesn't. But I can see this going to three guys and really two guys. Stefanski deserves a little bit of a mention because of the five starting quarterbacks and taking them to the playoffs in Cleveland. Which is okay, a listen, listen. Uh, 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 now, let me Saying finish. there was five starting quarterbacks, when you have the fifth seed locked up and there's nowhere for you to go and you don't start your guy, sure, on a technicality you had five starting quarterbacks, but you had four, and one of them you pulled off a couch and did amazing things with. Stop that, saying five. Hey, a stat's a stat, man. We don't fudge the numbers here. We lie about the numbers, but when we have the numbers correct, we don't fudge them. Kevin Stavansky should finish third in this, and it should go down between Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryans. I'm leaning toward Ryans. What do you got? It, to me, it's D'Amico's all the way. It has to be, right? Like, hands down. This team was expected to have a top three draft pick again this year. Think now, about I'm not, that. I'm not sure when this voting is is done, okay? It's supposed to be done at the end of the regular season. At the end of the regular season. So postseason stuff doesn't matter. So if Dan Campbell finds himself playing two Sundays from now, he would have to be it, right? Like, Well, no, because the voting should have already happened. Well, that's that's my problem with all of this. You can't say, hey, you've done the best job of coaching this year if the year's not over yet. Well, th- it's a regular season award. It shouldn't be. It should be a full season award. Well, then who's your MVP, Brock Purdy? No, it's still Lamar. One bad game should not that. destroy a season. I'm clipping that. Uh, now, assistant coach of the year is a crapshoot. Mike McDonald, Baltimore assistant Ravens. Coach, assistant coach of the year is an award? It's on the NFL website, and it will be handed out at the NFL Honors. You should pay attention to this. Mike McDonald and Todd Munkin are both nominated for this of Baltimore. Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. Jim Schwartz, the Browns defensive coordinator. And Bobby Slowick the Houston Texans offensive coordinator have all been nominated for this. You can make a case for all five of these guys. Uh, for me, it's between Bobby Schloick and Mike McDonald. Uh, no, it's Jim Schwartz for what he did with that defense. I, I will put money that it's not Jim Schwartz. Oh, no, no, no. Schwartz is not going to win. The fact that Jim Schwartz did not get an interview for a head coaching job bothers me a lot because he absolutely Why? deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. I'm we glad seen he's we, we, we seen what he's done as a head coach before. It's Look always up his been record. Look up his record. Look up at what he did when he was with Detroit. Detroit was a good team then. Granted, they had prime Matthew Stafford and prime Megatron, but still, he got fired because they couldn't win a playoff game. Not because he couldn't win. But that's what we have for the awards. Dan, it's been a rough week, buddy. It surely has. We have one football game left. But before we get there, let's talk about the Pro Bowl. And let's talk about the Pro Bowl roster, shall we? Now, the Pro Bowl was no longer played in Honolulu, Hawaii, which... Yay. Um, what do you think about that? 
I mean, it's not even a game. What's a flag football now, right? And a skills competition. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember growing up watching the quarterback skills competition on ESPN. You know, watching Brett Favre and Dan Marino and Peyton Manning throw their arms out of socket trying to throw 70-yard bombs. You know, running around in athletic shorts and a jersey and everything else. I like it. But I still think, you know, you got to, you got to, um, yeah, you know what I mean. You got to have that. Okay. I, I, I completely lost my train of thought. I apologize. Um, here we go. 24, 2024 Pro Bowl. The, I lost my train of thought because I was trying to find the Pro Bowl roster, and I thought I found it, and I found it on. Um, I got you got the AFC or the NFC up? I got the other one up. I got all I got the teams in 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 order. And that's how we're yeah. gonna go down. So we're just gonna go Arizona, Atlanta, Baltimore, and so on and so forth. Um Arizona, one player, Buda Baker, yes or no. Good. Sixth time Pro Bowler. Uh yeah, Jesse Jesse Bates, a free safety, makes his first Pro Bowl appearance. Chris Lindstrom, a guard, makes his second Pro Bowl appearance from Atlanta. Baltimore has seven people. Four of them are five of them are making their first Pro Bowl appearance. Kyle Hamilton absolutely earned it. Tyler Linderbaum, a center. Justin Matabike, Patrick Queen, soon to be free agent, who will probably not come back to Baltimore, Patrick Queen, and Kevin Zeitler. Justin Tucker makes his seventh Pro Bowl appearance, and Roquan Smith finds himself in his second All-Star game. I feel like we're missing somebody off that list. Somebody who opted um, out of that list. Well, and you if got, they opt out, does that not count? Lamar. Yeah, he opted out, so that doesn't count, right? Or He's still count? technically, yes, t- for technic- for bonus purposes and everything like that, and, and for the statistics of it and what it shows as, yes, he's a pro bowler. Mm. Well, the athletic is just showing me who, so here I have the I have the rosters. Let's just run through that. Yeah, like let's do that. Let's do it that way. Would, would be a little bit easier. Yeah. All right. So at, at quarterback, I'm just gonna name uh, everybody, and then I'll tell you who's in, who's out. Blah, blah, you blah. said at quarterback. Uh, at quarterback for the NFC, you have Purdy, Prescott, and Stafford. All well, Purdy's in the Super Bowl. The other two have opted out. So now you have Hertz, Mayfield, and Geno Smith. At Ooh. running back, you have McCaffrey, Swift, uh, Kerwin Williams. Jameer Gibbs replaces McCaffrey. At fullback, it was Kyle Juszczyk. C.J. Ham now places uh, replaces Juszczyk. At wide receiver, you have C.D. Let's stop uh-huh. there just for one second. I love Peyton Hillis. Dude, Cleveland Brown on a Madden cover, loved everything about it. Has a great story, almost died saving somebody. That's great. Can we eliminate the fullback position from, from the Pro Bowl? I mean, there's like three or four true fullbacks. Exactly. I mean, when yeah. when Penny Sewell or however you say his name. I mean, actually. Plays fullback. Penny, Penny that, that's, yeah. That, that's, I mean, I mean, realistically, I can actually name probably the only four fullbacks. It's Ham, Juszczyk, Ingold, and Patrick Ricard. Um, moving on to, can you name another fullback besides those four? Not off the top of my head. I'd have to look, but. 
I mean, um, it's it's 2024. The fullback position is now the flanker or the slot receiver. At wide receiver, uh, your four that made it in were C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, and Puka Nakua. Your two replacements for Brown and Evans are Amon Ross St. Brown and D.J. Metcalf. So one Brown for another. D.K. Um, at tight end, Kittle and Laporta. Jake Ferguson replaces Kittle. At tackle, Trent Williams, Lane Johnson, Penny Sewell. Tristan Worfs replaces Trent Williams. Worfs. Worfs. He's not fine. a Star Trek character. At uh, guard, you had Zach Martin, Chris Lindstrom, Landon Dickerson. Tyler Smith replaces Martin, so a cowboy for a cowboy. Uh, at center, you have Jason Kelsey and Frank Ragnow. On the, do you want me to go to the offensive side of the AFC? Or just uh, Eric McCoy is the alternate to replace Jason Kelsey, who will not be playing, I don't believe. Okay, so that is not on here. So that must have just happened recently. Yes. Um, do you want me to go to the AFC offense? No, or do you let's want me to let's go do the defense the next. Let's do the NFC okay. defense. NFC defense. Nick Bosa, Montez Sweat, Aiden Hutchinson. Demarcus Lawrence replaces Bosa. Interior linemen. Uh, Aaron Donald, Dexter Lawrence. Jerron Hargrave, uh, Kenny Clark replaces Hargrave, outside linebacker, Micah Parsons. Der- oh, sorry, Hart- Derek Brown also has been named for Bowling. Okay. Um, outside linebacker, Micah Parsons, Danelle Hunter, and Hassan Reddick. Inside, uh, inside middle backers, you have Frank Wagner, or Fr- uh, Fred Warner, Bobby <laughs> Wagner, and Demario Davis. Demario Davis is replacing his Warner. At cornerback, you have Deron Bland, Traverius Ward, Jalen Johnson, Devin Witherspoon, Darius Slay is replacing Ward. Free safety, Jesse Bates. Strong safety, Buda Baker and Julian Love. Your special teamers are Andrew DePaulo, Brian Enger, Brandon. Actually, Brandon Audrey. We've kind of got to talk about him. Who might Aubrey, he he might actually be the best kicker in the league. I don't know if he missed a field goal all year. Uh, yeah, in the, yeah, he did. Did he, did he miss it in the postseason? Yes. Oh, I forgot he about got that. Jinxed, remember? Yes, yes, I do remember that now. Oh um, my goodness. I mean, still, I mean, he, uh, kick returner Rashid Shahid, uh, special teamers Jalen Revis Maven and Nick Ballore on the AFC side. Your quarterbacks are Tua, Tunga Vailoa, Lamar, Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Your replacements for it looks like it's going to be Lamar and Patty Mahomes are going to be CJ Stroud yep. and Minshew Mania. How? That run- <sighs> Fan voting? If Tyler Huntley is a pro bowler last year, Joe Flacco should be a pro bowler this year. I don't even know if Flacco was around for pro, for pro bowling votes, to be honest. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it, it's whatever. Um, here, I'll, backs. I'll, how about I take the AFC? You've talked enough. I say that as my voice starts to crack. Um, Raheem Mostert of Miami, James Cook, and Derrick Henry are your running backs. Alex Ingold, do we mention him in our Alec. fullback? Alex Ingold, excuse me. Do we yes, mention him yes, in our he was one of the four of, he was one of the four that I named. Tyree Kill of Miami, Amari Cooper of Cleveland, Keenan Allen of the Chargers, Jamar Chase of Cincinnati, and Stephon Diggs of Buffalo are all in Diggs is replacing Amari Cooper who had, I believe surgery. Uh, Travis Kelsey 
is in, along with another Cleveland Brown, David Njoku. Evan Ingram is replacing Kelsey on the tight end position. Laramie Tunstall of Houston, Deion Dawkins, and Teron Armstead of Miami. There are your offensive tackles. Quentin Nelson of Indianapolis. Joel Batonio, the man in Cleveland. He is was going to be your starting offensive guard, along with Joe Thune of Kansas City. Wyatt Teller and Kevin Zeitler of Baltimore. They are your replacements for Tooney and Batonio. Creed Humphrey of Kansas City was going to be your starting center. He is going to be backed up by Tyler Lindebaum. Ryan Kelly takes his place on the roster. On your defensive line, Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. Could you imagine if you're a quarterback having to stand in a pocket with Miles Garrett on one side and Max Crosby on the other? That terrifies me. Trey Henderson. Also. Yeah, Trey Hendrickson as well. Is the third guy in. Will Anderson will be replacing Max Crosby, who is injured. Chris Jones of Kansas City and Quentin Williams were your starting defensive tackles. Justin Matabike was the reserve. DeForest Buckner of Indianapolis will be replacing Chris Jones of Kansas City. DJ Watt and Khalil Mack were voted in as your starters at your outside linebacker. They are both hurt. Josh Allen was your reserve from Jacksonville. Jeremiah Osu Koromora, the Joker of Cleveland. He will take the place of Watt, while Jermaine Johnson II of the Jets takes over for Cleo Mack. Roquan Smith of Baltimore and Patrick Queen of Baltimore are your starting inside middle linebackers. Quarterbacks Patrick Sertan of Denver, Sauce Gardner of the Jets, Jalen Ramsey and Denzel Ward are your reserves at the quarterback position. Justin Simmons of Denver, Minka Fitzpatrick of Pittsburgh are your free safeties. Kyle Hamilton is your starting strong safety for the AFC. Long snapper goes to Ross Matesic of Jacksonville. A.J. Cole III is your punter. He is from Vegas. Justin Tucker, surprising to no one. I believe that's his seventh or eighth Pro Bowl selection. He is your place kicker from Baltimore. Marvin Mims is your return specialist. And Miles Killebrew of Pittsburgh is gets the special teams nod. He is player number 53. Head-to-head, if we're playing a traditional Pro Bowl game in Madden and these guys are going full out, which team do you take? Uh, I think just based off the quarterbacks, I'm taking the AFC. Yeah, because, I mean, all love and all due respect to Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant has had himself a great year, but if I have to choose between Brock Purdy and – Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tua, or even C.J. Stroud. I'm probably taking all of that before I get to Brock Purdy. Dak and Matt Stafford are a different story. Jalen Hurts, if he's healthy, is different. Baker Mayfield, if he's angry, is different. And I don't know why Geno Smith made this team. Was Geno that good this year? I don't think so. I mean, I think Jared Goff should be on there over Geno at least. Or maybe Jordan Love. Or Jordan Love. Or, you see, I was going to make a joke about about Daniel Jones, but I I don't think it's the right time. No, I mean, he's, he, he got injured, had a, a career-threatening injury. Yeah, I, I would have felt a lot better about that joke if his career wasn't hanging in the balance. <sighs> How about Aaron well, Rodgers? I... For the three plays we got of Aaron Rodgers, he looked damn good. Why isn't he a pro bowler? I mean, if Tyler Huntley can be a pro bowler last year. Which is I mean, listen, listen, Patrick Mahomes has taken down back-to-back one-year pro bowlers 
in Joe Burrows and Tyler Huntley in the ISC championship game. Oh, all right. Anyway, let's move along to my favorite part of the show, Dan. You know what my favorite part of the show is? A segment we haven't named yet, and it's been a year. It's stats and stuff that we found out that we're going to talk about. Uh, how about something big coming from your back yard? Camden Yards. John B. Angelos has agreed to sell the Baltimore Orioles to two private equity investors for a reported one. Point seven two five billion with a B dollars. What people don't understand about this, and I mean this in all sincerity, what people don't understand about this sale is last night, like the Ravens literally broke our hearts on sat on Sunday. Tuesday night when this broke. People were cheering, and we went out to drink in bars and got hammered because of how much this means to us in this city. David Rubenstein is a billionaire. He lives in Baltimore, raised like he's a Baltimore boy. Like it makes me feel good about the team staying here. And also, come to find out, it's written into the lease for Camden Yards about the team not being able to move because that lease was just redone. So baseball is here to stay in Baltimore. The Baltimore Orioles are about to have the fourth richest owners in baseball. Maybe they spend some money and maybe I'll get a championship back in my city. Or maybe they don't have to spend money and maybe they just sign the guys they develop. Well, that's still spending money. That, okay. Maybe they don't have to spend foreign money. Listen, Maybe listen, they can keep homegrown talent at home. Listen, listen, what what I don't think, like, outside of Baltimore, what I don't think people really understand about this is, like, yeah, it's talked about, like, how long are these guys going to be here? We didn't, like, there was conversations that we may, we we thought that Adley may have been getting traded next offseason or next middle middle of the season. Like, I don't have those questions anymore. Like, Spending money on homegrown talent. I don't care if we don't win a World Series. Just keep the guys that we have because Jackson, Holiday, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, these guys are going to be staples for us for years to come. I'm about to cry. How much would your heart break if he does wind up getting traded and we do get more of the classic nickel and dime? We're a small market in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean that still would break my heart, but Adley, you get you'd have to use that example with Jackson for me to not hate it so much, because we're about to after when Jackson Holiday comes up to the majors, it's very possible we have another number one overall prospect in baseball in Sam Bastello, who's a catcher. So if I'm getting back three three arms for Adley, I'm not going to be mad about it. Obviously, I am going to be mad about it at the time, but I'm not going to be mad about it if it pans out and they get right. a World Series. You, or, like, you get what I'm saying with that? Yeah, but you put the young catcher behind the plate, let him learn under the watchful eye of Adley Rushman, who is now your I don't first think, baseman I, DH. I don't think Adley's getting moved anytime soon. Regardless of who it is, there was just conversations about it. Like, what if this does happen? What if it's the same old same? Um, because that was a real scare here, especially with the season we had last year and no movement in the offseason. But I don't care if they don't sign another player this offseason now. Because I don't expect the Angelos to spend money. I never did. They were shitty owners. 30 years here, three pennants, 
no World Series appearances, and it was always we're a small Ooh. mid-market team. They won three pennants in 30 years? Yep. Really? They went to the World yep. Series three times. I'm sorry, not pennants, three division titles. Wait, maybe? That still seems wrong. Uh, that seems very – anyway, moving along. We're going to save this for the baseball show because I'm definitely going to be talking about this again. Dan, trivia question. Top five oh, – okay, so this is a this is a stat that's, that's kind of a little convoluted here and heavily favors my team. First base – home runs from the first base position since 1998. Name the top five teams. You should get number one. St. Louis. St. Louis is number one by almost a hundred, by over a hundred. Nine hundred and thirty-four home runs since nineteen ninety-eight. A hundred and four more than the second place team. Philly. Philly is second with eight thirty. Wow, I didn't think you'd get Philly. Who is third? Philly was easy. Philly was easy because of Ryan Howard and just other players wow, they had. Right. Um, Who's third? Hawaii Yankees? No, the Yankees actually uh one, two, three, four, five, sixth. Um first baseman. Okay, first I'm baseman, just gonna Prince tell Field, you. Prince Fielder in Milwaukee. Milwaukee was fourth with seven ninety-two. Toronto, eight thirteen. And the White Sox, seven seventy-eight. Gotta love some Paul Canerco loving. Uh the Yankees, seven seventy-three. Cleveland at 7:34, Texas 7:14, Houston 7:10, and Atlanta 7:05. Just thought I'd throw that out there. A little bit of cardinal love. Let's come on. At least say the Orioles at 6:96, right below Atlanta. Come on. <laughs> I was waiting to see Cracker. if you were going to catch it. Uh, let's stay with the first base. Let's stay with the home run stat. How about this? Mark McGuire had eight seasons with 38 or more home runs. Barry Bonds had eight seasons with 38 or more home runs. Alex Rodriguez, eight seasons, 38 or more home runs. None of these are shocking to you. These the are next one you're going to say, the, the next one you're going to say to me isn't shocking to me either because his retirement was more shocking to me than anything. Adam Dunn is the other player with eight seasons of 38 or more home runs. Do you remember Do his either, retirement? Uh, it came out of nowhere. I mean, Do you know why it came out of nowhere? Because why? the GM told him his son couldn't be in the clubhouse anymore, and that was why he retired. Hey, you got to love parental values, you know. But uh, he, the dude either hit it out, he walked, or he struck out. They talk about the, what is it, the five true outcomes? He had three. It was a home run, a walker, or a strikeout. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's go to basketball. Dan, do you know who Hold on, one more, second about, one more second about baseball. Thoughts on your MLB 24 uh mlb 24 the show cover in vlad guerrero jr i mean who have the other cover athletes been for mlb yeah uh, jazz, jazz Chisholm was a couple of years ago or last year was Jazz yeah. Chisholm was last year shohei i i feel like this is a leading question like you're asking me if there's a curse or something but no, 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 nothing. It, it's literally just like, like, do you think it's too soon for Vladdy? Do you think it's past it for Vladdy? It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, 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 oh my God, wow, like that's a young. I guess he is kind of a young rising star, but I guess in the same way, I don't really think of him like that. It feels like he's, he's been not, around. Yeah, he's been around for a while. No, I mean, I thought it, I, 
I for sure thought it was going to be, um, you know, Shohei signing that big record deal. Maybe him and Tanaka or, you know, have those two guys or just the entire all-star team that plays in Chavez Ravine. Just put the whole roster on uh, on the thing. Put, hell, put Vince Scully on the goddamn cover for all I care. It's a cover of a video game. It's not as prestigious as the Madden cover. It doesn't matter as much, I don't think, as the NHL cover does. Because I think the NHL cover means a little bit more to the athletes. I, just, I don't think it matters. I really don't think it matters. It's just, it's not a big deal to me. Anyway, Dan, do you know who Pistol Pete Maravich is? Yeah, basketball player. One of the best basketball players of all time and the best college basketball player ever. Pistol Pete Maravich scored 3,667 points in 83 games over three years at Louisiana State University, also called LSU. If you took the nation's top 83 single scoring performances in the last three years, not including this this current season, they would have combined for a grand total of 3,465 points. Pete Maravich is also, by the way, from the area in which I live. I just, something really cool. Um, we brought up video games. Let's talk about this video game before we say adios, because, well, we actually have a few more to talk about here. John Madden, highest career winning percentage by a head coach. It is topped by John Madden. This is an NFL history with a minimum of 100 games. John Madden has 103 wins. It's good for a 759 winning percentage. You know who Vince Lombardi is. He has 96 wins, 738 winning percentage. How about the other two names, George Allen or Blanton Collier? You know anything about these two? No. No. Uh, I don't know the name George Allen. I want to say he goes back a long ways, but Blanton Collier was the guy who replaced Paul Brown in Cleveland and won them the title in 1964 after Paul Brown was summarily dismissed by none other than your team's godfather. He who which name I shall not mention. Uh, let's give you some more John Madden stats, shall we? Of the 191 coaches with a qualifying amount of games, this time we're only going with 50, Madden has the second highest winning percentage in NFL history. Guy Chamberlain, 1922 to 1927, has a better one. His average season in his 10 years as a Raiders head coach was 10-3-1. Uh, John Madden made the playoffs eight of his 10 seasons. He only won one Super Bowl. He never had a losing season by Tomlin. His worst season was nine and seven. Of his eight trips to the playoffs, he was one and done only one time. Seven of the times he won at least one playoff game. His offense was ranked on an average of four and a half in points scored over his 10 years. He was first in the league three times. In 1969, 1974, and 1976, Madden had the best record in the NFL. In 1967 and 1968, he coached the linebackers for the Raiders in the AFL. Both of those years, they gave up the second the American Football League and went 13 and 1 and 12 and 2. He was hired as the head coach by Al Davis the next season. John Madden, the best. Is he the best? Is he better than Landry? Is he better than Paul Brown? Is he better than Vince Lombardi? Better than George Hallis? Better than Bill Belichick? Better than Andy Reid? What do you think? Um, I mean, the stats say so. Fair enough. Speaking of NFL head coaches, Dan, the Washington Redskins, and we're going to call them the Redskins because that's what they were called, in 2013 had five current 
NFL coaches on their staff. They had, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name now. They had Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator. They had Matt LaFleur. They had uh, LeVay, or the guy in, gosh darn it, my head is just gone blank. The guy in Miami, Mike McDaniel, the guy in Los Angeles, and Sean McVay, and the guy at the top who just got hired. What is his name, Danny Boy? Is that Eric Bien? No. No. Raheem. Uh, Raheem. Uh, Raheem Moster, yeah. but, no, Morris? No, not Raheem Mostert. Morris, yeah. Ed, can you name um, – we're going to end the show on this. Can you name the only major – so of the big four leagues, can you name the only team that has four vowels in their name, their team name? So you don't have to worry about the city or the state, their team name. With four vowels. With four vowels. Hmm. Wow, the Athletics only have three. The Yankees only have three. I'm going to give you another 15 seconds before I tell you which Just league tell me, because it is. Just, which league, right. Okay, the league is the NHL. Oh. Oh, man. Five. Yeah, four. give me it. Who you got? Give me one guess. Give me one guess. I don't. The Canadians? The Hurricanes. Okay. Uh, the Canadians also have four. No, four different vowels. You didn't say different. Four different vowels. You didn't say different. Uh, okay. Either way, I got it. I'm right. taking partial credit for that. That one doesn't count. This is what we're going to end it on. Dan, did you know if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, Ed and Christian McCaffrey would be the second father and son combo to win a Super Bowl for the same franchise? Do you know who the first ones are? Who? I don't know. I was hoping you did. Anyway, that's going to be all for us. By the way, congratulations, Sam Darnold. You are the only quarterback from the 2018 class to make it to the Super Bowl so far. Over Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield. Do you want to tell that interesting story we found out about Sam Darnold today? I was hoping we'd get to it. Um, so up until the day of the 2018 draft, uh, it was rumored and suspected and almost guaranteed that Sam Darnold was going to be going number one overall to the uh, – to the Cleveland Browns. Interesting. The day of the draft, they changed their mind and they took Baker Mayfield. This led to an all-out panic in, I believe it was, the Jets' war room because the only other team, basically John Elway was ready to give up the house in Denver to move up to number two to the Giants, to move up to number two behind the Giants to draft Sam Darnold. But the Giants were so locked in on Saquon Barkley, they refused to answer the phone and could not turn the card in fast enough. This just shows you how crazy NFL draft days can be, and I cannot wait for the draft this year. Uh, by the way, the answer to the trivia question you did not get, and I'm really disappointed that you don't know who Steve and Zach DeAussie are. They both won the oh. Vince Lombardi Trophy with the New York Giants. 
Steve, the father, was a linebacker who won Super Bowls twenty-five. Who won Super Bowl twenty-five in nineteen ninety-one, and Zach was the long snapper in Super Bowl forty-two in two thousand and eight that ended the Patriots' perfect season. I definitely should have got that. I'm disappointed that you didn't. Um, anyway, we did have one other stat, and since we're already over an hour, who cares? Might as well give it, Dan. In the Baltimore Ravens game, Lamar Jackson threw a pass to himself for a first down. The pass went for 13 yards. It is the third longest self-pass in NFL history. The other two that were longer, Kent Graham of the New York Giants against the Kansas City Chiefs, December 20th, 1998, went for 16 yards. And Milt Plum in 1959 of Cleveland against whatever abbreviation is CRD. Uh, I have no idea. But uh, October 18th, 1959, his went for 20. There actually have been a few that have gone for a touchdown. Marcus Mariota in a playoff game also against the Chiefs went for six yards and a score. There was another one, too. Brad Johnson against Carolina for Minnesota on my birthday, October 12th in 1997. He threw for a touchdown as well. So there you have it. Uh, The only thing I can find is that it's the Cardinals. Makes sense. Well, let's look. See who the Browns played on October 18th, 1959, Cleveland Browns versus the Chicago Cardinals. So there you go. Oh, that makes ah, sense. Ah, the team that the Browns, the team, the team that Cleveland stole from the city of Chicago. Makes sense. Uh, what? We can get into this on another show. No, 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 no. Yeah, fine, fine. We'll get into this after the show. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for us here on this one. What you can expect next week, we're going to give you our complete Super Bowl preview show. We're also going to mix in a lot of baseball going in that way as we are going to talk about all of the signings that have happened, all of the transactions that have been made. Maybe Blake Snell signs a contract. I doubt it's going to be the, what, nine years, $270 million that he wanted from the Yankees, but hey. You never know. Um, you're going to get all of that and much, much more from us here at the Sports Dispatch. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And just remember, if your team is not doing so hot, it can always be the players of an later who can make it better. See ya!